Welcome to Psalm 23 Podcast, a podcast intended to inspire the hearts and minds of those interested in learning how to live the gospel in modern times. My name is Rutsen Maldonado, and I'm your host. Our special guest today will be Maggie Linton of Linton Media. Today is Thursday, March 23rd, 2023, and our discussion today for episode two will be on The Lord is My Shepherd, Discovering Your Destiny Through Divine Guidance. Before we get started, let us hear a selected reading of the gospel and then a quick reflection. My brothers and sisters, let us open our hearts and minds as we listen to the gospel according to John. Jesus said to the Jews, If I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is not true. But there is another who testifies on my behalf, and I know that the testimony he gives on my behalf is true. You send emissaries to John, and he testified to the truth. I do not accept human testimony, but I say this so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and for a while you were content to rejoice in his light. But I have testimony greater than Jones. The works that the Father gave me to accomplish, these works that I perform, testify on my behalf that the Father has sent me. Moreover, the Father who sent me has testified on my behalf. But you have never heard his voice, nor seen his form. And you do not have his word remaining in you, because you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think you have eternal life through them. Even they testify on my behalf. But you do not want to come to me to have life. I do not accept human praise. Moreover, I know that you do not have the love of God in you. I came in the name of my Father, but you do not accept me. Yet if another comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe when you accept praise from one another and do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have placed your hope. For if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me because he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The Gospel of the Lord. Wow, what an amazing gospel there. First time I'm going to address the audience with a dad joke. So bear with me, guys, and hope we get a few laughs. So Maggie, tell me why did the Pharisees question Jesus' authority in John 5, 31 through 47? Because sometimes it takes a hard time to believe. You can see it out there in front of you, then you're a believer. When you don't see it and you're told to believe, you know, like it's kind of like with a magic trick, okay? You, somebody's handing things out, or whether it's cards or whatever, and you want to believe, but you haven't seen the end yet. And so it's the same sort of thing. They kind of want to believe, but you got to remember the times. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have newspapers. They didn't have the Internet. There was nothing like that out there. And it was kind of word of mouth. And in the long run, word of mouth is really what moves people. So... That's what I feel about that. Well, the dad joke answer that I put together is they were just jealous because he had better witnesses than you do. Oh, there you go. (laughs) 
So great quick reflection. Anything else that comes to mind in that gospel? No, just more than anything, the non-belief. It's kind of like what we're going to talk about a little bit later. When do you believe? When the answers start coming in? But how long have you waited for the answers to come in in the first place? Why not start believing right from the very beginning that the miracle or the whatever you want to happen is going to happen? Because it's that belief that really moves it along. Amen to that. All right. Well, audience out there, this is episode two. Today's guest, as I mentioned, is Maggie Linton. Quick fun fact about Maggie. I met her at our church and she does phenomenal activities serving the church. And the first time I met her, I remember just having this stare like, I know this lady. I don't know why. And Maggie, I don't know if you like noticed like that look that I had, but uh, told me you you said right from the beginning you really look familiar. Yeah, and I just I couldn't figure out why. And then I remember going home, and then like, hold on, I gotta look up this show, and I couldn't remember the the name of the show. Starfinder. Yep. And yeah, as a kid, I watched that show, Starfinder, and just never would have thought. And a lot of people probably don't know what Starfinder is since it was out years ago. Yeah. But it was a 30-part series, and it was a teaching series based on the Hubble Space Telescope. Yep. As it was first going up, it was through Maryland Public Television, but went national and international. For years, it ran on NASA Select. Yeah. And it was used for teachers to help kids inspired about space and science. Well, I was definitely one of those kids. Yeah. I loved to read Star Trek books, Star Wars books. I was into the movies, of course. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that child version of me meeting someone that's like, oh, wow, I was inspired by this lady. So Maggie, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience. Well, I've been in broadcasting for about 50 years. And if it can be done in broadcasting, I've pretty much done it. I've, you know, producer, host, co-host, Television, radio, worked in films, actually still get residuals from a couple of films that I was in, guarding tests and, and the original Hairspray. And it's been a fabulous career. Fun. My last job was uh, working as uh, about three and a half years at Sirius XM for my own talk show, which was called The Maggie Linton Show. And the other part that was interesting is I, I've been a part of so many interesting things. A friend and I were talking about the Grammys the other day. And I actually worked the 2006 Grammys for Sirius XM. So. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, the Obama-Lincoln uh, uh, Memorial Concert, I was an associate producer for that. Three days leading up to it was the coldest I'd ever been in my life. And I actually wore, brought my down coat out. But that day, it was fabulous. And then the World War II Memorial, I was also an associate producer on that. Wow, what a blessing. It was a blessing because, again, kind of like the three days leading up to it were some of the hottest days. I, I was 100 and some degrees with humidity almost exactly the same leading up to it. And I'm thinking, these little World War II veterans are all going to die out yeah, here. Yeah, sweat themselves day. out. We woke up that morning. It was in the mid-70s. Oh, wow. Almost no humidity. And I said to my friend who was working it with me, I said, do you know what? I said, God is smiling on them Absolutely. because of the sacrifices they made now and they're being celebrated. And that, those are some of the interesting things that I've had a chance to do, mainly because a friend of mine, Lauren Clash Schneider, does everything as far as large productions. She's, you know, done numerous things for the NFL, you know, their lead in features that they do that when they start at the NFL season, the Drama Desk Awards, Directors Guild, you know, shows and things like that. The Tonys, she's direct, you know, produced those. So uh, it's it's fun to have a friend that does wow. a cool thing. That is amazing. Yeah. 
Well, it's it's great to have you as a friend. Oh, <laughs> you know, you're my buddy. I don't, I you know I always tell people. People say, "Oh, you're so famous." I go, "No, I'm not." I said, "Cause I still got to wipe when I'm done. I keep it at that level." Okay, you know that is true though. It is true. It, you know, when I see with it. people going around with some kind of ego and stuff like that, I go, "You know what? You're just like me." <laughs> you may have a different cover on the outside, but other than that, we're all just the same. Amen to that. Leading red. So today's episode, The Lord is My Shepherd, Discovering Your Destiny Through Divine Guidance. Mm-hmm. That's a very impactful title. Tell us a little bit why you wanted to go that direction in picking that as today's episode. I chose that because way too often, and you and I have talked about this, people don't always listen when they're being told because we ask for things. And then we expect just to sit there and nothing happened. But if we're given that spark of where our destiny is to be, then we have to pay attention to it and work toward that. And once you get there, then that will also lead you into something else. And to ignore it, you know, people, you know how you've seen the, the joke that people say they're out there and it's flood and, you know, first they send a truck. And the people say, well, you know, I'm waiting on God to save me. And then comes a boat. Oh, I'm waiting on God to save me. And then comes a helicopter. Well, I'm waiting on God to save me. And they're in the pearly gates and they're saying, but you didn't come to save me. He says, well, who do you think sent the truck, the boat and the helicopter? You know, it's like, what are you waiting for? Embrace it. Let's go road. It's funny how you bring up that modern day parable because I love that. It really brings humility, Um, especially when you hear the narrative. Sometimes they'll say it's a a pastor, head of a church, and they'll throw in that some of the church members are on top of the roof and he's letting them go first. And then finally at the end, he's the one to meet God. And he's like, God, I I helped save all these people, but why didn't you save me? And God's response is, that's why I sent the boat, the helicopter. (laughs) Just to miss the message. <laughs> so I embrace it. If I'm asking for it, I've got to be ready to receive. Amen. And so you prep yourself for it to be ready. I, you know, like I was just saying, I had, I used to do a talk show on Sirius XM and I was with XM when they first started. So Sirius came in and kind of took over. And the minute I got my new boss, I was head of their book channel at that point. And I kept saying, his guy was named Jeremy Coleman. I kept saying to Jeremy, you know, if this book channel doesn't work out, I'd really like to do a talk show. I mean, every time I saw him, because that passion was in there. And I started in my mind knowing what I wanted to do should I get that talk show, okay? So finally, one day, about two years later, he came to me and he says, "Uh, you know, if you have time to talk, I said, of course I have time to talk. Let's talk right now. He says, okay. He says, well, I got good news and bad news. I said, okay, let's hear the bad news. He says, book radio is being canceled. I said, ooh, should we tell Kim? He says, it's the only bad news for her. I said, well, what's the good news for me? He said, well, we're going to give you your own talk show. I said, wonderful. I bet you it's going to be on Urban View. And he goes, why do you say that? I said, because you don't think black people can talk on other channels. You know, and I, because that's, you know, and sure enough, it was on Urban View. And he says, well, when do you want it? I said, I want it at 10 o'clock until noon, Monday through Friday. He says, why 10? I said, because I'm at the end of rush hour on the East Coast, but I'll be in the middle of rush hour all the rest of the way across the country. Because you know why? I'd already thought it out. I'd already picked the song that was going to be my opening and closing. I knew I wanted to how I wanted the show structured. 
And you know, he kind of looked at me and he goes, oh, okay, I guess you're ready. I said, I've been ready for a long time. That's awesome. Because that was my destiny. That I asked for it, I was ready to receive. Because a lot of times people ask for it and they're not really ready to receive. So then it becomes a failure because they hadn't really thought it through or they hadn't followed the guidance for preparation. Yep. Because that's really important. Yeah. I mean, God, he always just given us free will and we have that destiny in front of us. Sometimes it's not even a matter of us willing to ask for it. It's for us to accept it because he lays it out there. He gives us that opportunity, the open doors. We have to go through it. So, yeah, no, definitely. And as my career moved along, you know, starting out, I started out at the University of Kansas with the KU Sports Network. And through every movement that I made, I would ask for something more. And as I went, I'd say, well, how long are you going to be here? Two years. How long are you going to be here? Two years. <laughs> you know, And that's pretty much, I changed cities every couple of years until I finally got to, you know, Sirius XM. And then I was happy. Wow. Because I had time for growth. You know, when you're there the day they flip on the switch. Yeah, it's enlightening. You're like ready to go, energized. Ready to go. At that point with 150 listeners. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 150 listeners. To go from that. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So Destiny and Psalm 23. I mean, you know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll look at Psalm 23 and they say, well, the Lord's my shepherd. What does that really mean? I shall not want... Yeah, let's go on to that. You know, okay. many people think, well, if I don't want anything, you know, what's the point? So tell, tell us about that. But see, saying I shall not want really means that he has, if you're really listening, and I mean, sometimes I, you and I were talking about this the other day. If you're really listening, you're going to get what you want and you're going to get that guidance from him. And I call it him. Some people say, oh, no, yeah, yeah. I, for me, it's a him because I pray direct. Yep, as we should. I <laughs> yeah. mean, Jesus told us. <laughs> I talk to him just like he's my buddy next door because he is. <laughs> but I shall not want is because the desire is he wants you to have much. He wants you to have plenty, but he doesn't expect you to just be able to, you know, you open up the door and it's standing there waiting for you. You've got to be willing to work for it. Yep. And way too many people don't, they want to sidestep, you know, but there has to be every step. I always tell people the three most important things I ever learned was reading, typing, and driving. And the reason why is I wouldn't have been able to get to typing if I didn't know how to read. Valid point. And driving is for years, I lived in areas that didn't have public transportation and I had to drive to get to where I needed to go. And so those are the three most important things, reading really being number one. And a lot of parents wait until their kids are in school to really teach them how to read. It's too late then. Well, not totally too late, but the joy that opens up from reading, the imagination, that's part of your shall not want. Learning what's out there something that you can grab, something that you can become is right there in those books because somebody else has walked before you. Amen to that. In order to get to that point. And if you don't open up a book to learn about it, or even nowadays, audio books, or like we're sitting here right now, somebody taking the time to listen, that's your shall not want because you're learning and you're being led. Yep. And... 
I don't know what philosopher said it best, but you know, we keep learning until the day we no longer breathe, mm-hmm. and we're given that opportunity. I'm some big believer about that, and going into the imagination aspects, I remember in my own youth, my grandmother. I tell people like I look to her as my first spiritual director. She never forced faith for me, but she did encourage it. She encouraged the heck out of it. I'm very blessed for that. Very thankful. But I, I remember as young back as possible, her reading stories to me out of the Bible. I remember me getting to an age of reading it on my own. And I just, I, I have this children's Bible called the Great Adventure Bible. I'll have to show it to you after this episode. And it had like these little cartoon characters to go with it. And it just, it was so magnificent. And growing up, just that imagination factors brought that up. That's what resonated with me. And just going back to this passage, you know, that shepherd being there, even in the darkest of times, the darkest valleys, the rod, the staff to comfort us. In your journey, did you yourself go through any periods of darkness where you obviously knew the Father was still there, but where our audience can relate to and possibly find and see those opportunities where... Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been fired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. That's one. I have been fired. But, you know, it's like, okay moving on you know you I, I nothing nobody else is paying my bills gotta find a job you know I I, I can remember years ago telling people I did not want to do news and every time I tried doing news something bad happened and I would get right back into doing features or sports or something like that I'll give you an example I was living in Wichita Kansas and I would did features and a talk show and was weekend sports anchor. So I loved what I was doing. It was a combination of many different things. But a friend of mine that had worked at the station where I was working in Wichita had gone on to St. Louis. And he said, you know, we're really looking for a morning drive news person. I said, okay. He says, come on up and, you know, do the interview. Well, I, I went up, got the interview. Well, literally a day later they called me and they said, we'd really like to make you an offer. Can you come back? I said, yeah, I came back. Well, I was standing there thinking I'm going to do morning drive news. I don't mind getting up early. That's not a problem. But that day, there was a hostage situation at a restaurant bar in St. Louis. Wow. And the guy that was doing the hostage, he asked for the station I worked for, which then was KSD. Now I think it's KSDK. There was a guy named Chris Connolly who was the news anchor for the TV station. And we're sitting there watching. He had asked for Chris to come out. So Chris comes out. They're doing a live shot. Chris turns to the audience and he says, you know, we've got this hostage situation here. We're going to try and defuse it. And the guy takes a gun, puts it to his head. He says, Chris, I'm sorry, and shoots himself. But, you know, blood and stuff's running down the thing. And... A guy next to me turns and says, welcome to St. Louis. And I thought, okay, God, I'm listening. And six months later, I resigned from that job and went and did sports at another station in town, which was really my destiny. But I had to go through that other part to get to my destiny. Yeah. I mean, audience can't see the way uh, my facial expressions really just went on. That's Awar, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then years later... I'm working at Channel 5 doing weekend sports. They decide to hire another guy. That's fine. And they put me on a news assignment. And one of my first assignments 
I'm dressed, you know, to go out and do stuff. It's pouring down rain out. I'm with my photographer, and a, a young child had drowned the day before, and they were searching for his body. I said, okay. They said, go out, try and see if you can be there should they find the body. Well, they didn't find it. It was Long Rock Creek Parkway. And they said, go and get a picture of him. So we went back to his parents' apartment. We knocked, hi, do you have a picture of your son, just in case? Yes. Well, the father came home. He cursed us out. I was called names I'd never even heard of before. (laughs) And when I got back, I said, you know what? I'm just not supposed to do news. And I wound up going upstairs and working for a, a talk show up there called Panorama. And it was, it turned out to be pure joy, had a lot of fun. And that was what I was really supposed to do. Again, following my destiny, I had to be there in order to get to the other side. But those two things, once again, reinforced that I was not supposed to be doing news because it made me so terribly uncomfortable. And a lot of times I hear people say, well, I'm supposed to be in this job. I'm in a job. I really hate it, but I've only got 10 more years to go. I'm sorry. I don't want that kind of discomfort for 10 more years, for even 10 more days. I immediately start looking for a new job and people get comfortable, but they're being told it's time to move on. It's time to move toward that other part of your destiny. And they don't always do it. No, I can relate with that. Looking back at times in my own career where that comfort zone really sinks in. Yeah, I work for a company now 16 years. I look at, I'm trying to make it to the 30th year. And, you know, the one thing that I do see as God's blessing is he's moving me around. So the first 10 years with the company, I've had more positions than I had years with the company. They would promote me, move me somewhere else. And each time I would look and see it as, all right, God, this is what you need me to do. You know, and, and my passion would be alive and kicking well. And now with what I do, uh, support hospitality accounts. And that's my bread and butter. You know, I, I love it. I, I was going to say, on your face, and because we've talked way off mic, uh, as friends, you love what you do. Yeah. And that's what we all should do. Yeah. That's how it should be. Uh, but uh, think about people you know that don't really love what they do, but they're looking at that paycheck and they can't think they can make it any other way. And sometimes they have to get out of their way to get to where they're really supposed to be. That is true. I do see that. So just thankful that God looks out for us. <laughs> he does, if we're listening. Yes, that is key, if we're listening. So sometimes in life, people let fear and anxiety stop them towards uh, that destiny. What advice do you have for those individuals? Look at your situation. Think about what you in particular can do to change it, but asking God for the guidance. I end each prayer every time I pray, which is every day, sometimes all throughout the day. I say directly to God, I ask for your guidance in all that I may do. So I'm always open to receive. Sometimes it's not everything I want to hear, but I've got to be listening in order to receive it. And that's the way I truly feel we all should live. I I look at people, they may not agree with everything that I say, and that's okay. But if you ask me my opinion, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm also willing 
listen to yours, but at the same time say, especially if I know that they could be doing better, is to wake up. And I look at my sister, who's a 25-year cancer survivor. She had renal cancer. And even when she had cancer, she says, I'm going to see my daughter graduate from college. I'm going to see my grandkids graduate from college. Well, it's daughters graduated from college in the in the Army right now, full-time. Grandson graduated from college, also went to the Air Force, you know, has a fabulous job. He's into cybersecurity. Another grandchild's getting ready to be in her senior year in college. Another one's senior year in high school. And so, you know, she's still here to enjoy it because she proclaimed it right from the very beginning. Not that she was going to die, but that she was going to live. Amen to that. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that one, too. My mom, she battled cancer 13 years, breast cancer. And there were periods of times where she would say, God is telling her she has more life to give. Mm -hmm. And I remember there would be instances with doctors she would say to the doctors, I have more time. And the doctors would say, very unrealistic. But that proclamation is key because God will give that. When it's his will, he'll say, here right now, you're going to get it. Take that metaphorical football and keep driving it. And I remember 13 months before my mom's passing, doctors had told her she had hours, not days to live. And it was a conversation that myself and my siblings had to embrace. And my mom woke up in the middle of the night and said, the Lord has told her she has more life to give, and we had to listen to that. We had to take that consult. We had to go against what the doctors were saying to do because they wanted her to uh, acknowledge DNR, do not resuscitate, and put in our faith. Our faith was tested. All of our faith was mm-hmm. tested in that moment. Mm-hmm. And when I say that this woman went from literally hours in her deathbed seeing literally her life was dwindling away to the life that God gave her back, and the 13 amazing additional months. Like, we're not talking about 13 months of struggling. This woman was, she got in my friend's convertible car. We went to lakes, parks. She went to try new foods. She was just enjoying life, doing things she hadn't done at all in her life or had not done in a very, very long time. And you could see that was from God. Like, just, there's no doubting that whatsoever. And I remember even down to her actual final hours of her earthly time uh, on this planet that she was able to pass with so much peace. Mm -hmm. The director of the hospice place that she was at was there for many decades. And I remember her coming up and she said she's never seen a cancer survivor pass away so peacefully. And uh, I'm sorry, audience, like it's I'm trying to keep my emotions in check so that you guys can hear what's going on. But. You guys should authentically know how I feel. This is a very important message. And I just, I'm so thankful for that. Just, you know, to see God did that for her. You know, I mean, you hear folks who have stage four cancer, which is what she was. She had stage four breast cancer. And they're crying. They're screaming. They're tormenting their last hours. No, my mom was just like so peaceful. She listened to her gospel music, just calm breathing in and out. You know, obviously some medication kept her sedated and comfortable, but you can't say that it was all in the world's eyes that that's why she was able to pass the way she did. No, that was that was God. That was God's plan from the beginning. She leaned into it. She kept her faith and God delivered. Exactly. Yeah, I, I totally believe in that. People that are often tormented are the ones who have the, the hardest part of dying. They have 
a rough goodbye. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I I think about my dad who told me he was going to go before my mom was. I you know I was there on a Saturday. He had uh, began to deteriorate. He had a stroke and he'd lost a leg because he had been frostbitten when he was in the war years beforehand and over in uh, Korea. And then he was a barber for 30 or 40 years. So he was on his legs all the time and eventually gangrene set in and he had to lose his leg. But that was the last three or four months of his life because he had been a go-getter. Now you're talking about somebody with an eighth grade education, owned his own business, dealt in real estate, very involved in the political world, involved in civil rights. And he was a proud man. And he taught my sister and I to be proud. But that Saturday, before he passed, he said, my mom was had, had an operation and she was in a coma. And he says, no, I'm going to die before her. And I said, I don't think so. You know, she only got six weeks. I'm getting ready to send you back home to Kansas. You're going to be fine, that kind of stuff. He says, no, I don't think so. And I, you know, I left that day, said, I love you. Said it lovely back. Fast forward to that Monday, and I said to him, "Well, how are you?" Well, his nurse had called me, and she said, "Your dad's not good. You need to get in here." I said, "Okay." Eyes had sunken in, turned kind of gray. I, said, Ooh. I think <laughs> I think he may have told me. You know, are you listening? <laughs> are you listening? And I held his hand. And I said, "What's going on?" He says, "I'm going to die before mom." And they would have been together fifty years that year. In fact, married 50 years in August, and this was in March. And I said, okay. I said, well, what do you want tomorrow? He says, you can bring me some barbecued ribs and ice cream. Those are two his two favorite things in the world. I said, okay. So I left that night, 1030, they called me, and they said, your dad just passed. And I thought, he told me. I didn't want to believe it, but he told me that he was going to. So, again, he went, kind of like he said your mom, he went out peacefully because he had told me he had fulfilled his destiny. Amen to that. And it was his time. And he told me, <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, life's learning lessons. Mm-hmm. I mean, God reveals in scripture, but sometimes he has to reveal it in life. And... We still may not get it, but then we do at the end. Yes. Right there, that shows that. Exactly. And you know, I went over and held his hand. It was still warm. I said, I can't believe you did this to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, we had that kind of relationship. Now, once I learned how to drive, my dad was from Dublin, Georgia. My mom hated the South. She said, if it's got South in its name, I don't want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> and so once I learned how to drive... My dad and I would go down and visit the relatives there, but my mom would never. She said, I'll see you later. <laughs> so she didn't like Southern oh. sweet tea? No. Really? Wow. No. And she was from, she was born in Mississippi and raised in Tennessee. Yeah. Evelyn oh. and Jalester Litton, I'll say their names. In fact, my dad's even mentioned in Colin Powell's book, My America. Really? Yeah. My dad was his barber when he went through Fort Leavenworth twice. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. And my dad was one of the people who helped move the getting the Buffalo Soldiers Monument in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. That's awesome. One of the big movers and shakers. There were a number of other men in, you know, from our town, because we were a retirement town, Leavenworth, Kansas, you know, next to Fort Leavenworth. But 
they were both from the South, and they did. My my dad just thought it was okay. My mom hated it. So, but that's living. They did. They brought themselves up from their bootstraps. True. When America wasn't always happy with them. Oh, that is very true. Unfortunately, true. Yeah. But you know, at least, but it's truth. Yeah. You know these people who try and hide behind. Oh, it didn't really happen. Yes, it did. Yeah. And that's okay. We're still here to learn from what. Yeah. And we're still growing from it. And we're still growing from it. So leave the door open, learn to respect other people, no matter what they may have on the outside, for what they may do, what they accomplish. For me, it's like, don't believe the lies. Oh, yeah. You can't, uh, you know, there's a governor right over in Virginia who says, you know, he doesn't want certain literature taught because he doesn't want the kids to learn what he doesn't want them to learn. I'm sorry. You should learn everything. Yes. Be open to learning. Be open to having your mind changed yeah. and broaden. Like you were saying, you learn something new. I learn something new every day. Yeah. Every single day because I'm open to accepting. Yeah. No, I mean, a great testament to that is you know, going back to how I said I had my children's Bible. Mm-hmm. My children's Bible didn't take out the dark stuff. That stuff's still there. Yeah. You know, I had to read those parts. I had to, I mean, so here's a, a fun fact. At the age of seven, I read the Tanakh, which is what we as Christians look as the Old Testament, yeah. but it's what our Jewish brothers and sisters have as their entire Hebrew Bible. I read the Quran, and then I read the Holy Bible front to back. And the parts that I couldn't understand, I went to my grandmother and I said, help me understand these things. But there's some really dark stuff in the Bible. Oh. You don't see someone... Uh, well, I, I take that back because some Protestant churches said, we're going to take these books out. But interesting enough, they didn't take out the dark stuff. Yeah. But you don't see someone going and saying, let's just take all this bad stuff out of the Bible. It's still there. We have to learn from it. And see, I read the whole Bible when I was about 19 or 20. And even then, there were things that I did not understand. But I, I actually read it during Lent. That's what I did for Lent that year. And it was eye-opening many ways and I learned from it yeah I mean that's what we do my interesting story because and I'm sure somebody's going to question it if I don't answer it right now is why at the age of seven read the holy bible and quran so going back to my grandmother uh, she was very strong in her faith not was she is because you know she's with the lord she wanted me to find faith she never wanted to force it and she just said you can look at any faith other than the Catholic Church in her town. And that's that's a story for another day why she was against the Catholic Church. And I countered back to her. I said, if you want me to do this effectively, then I want to see the Tanakh. Or, well, I said the Hebrew Bible. I didn't know it was called the Tanakh until it was on my lap. And I wanted to see the, the Muslim holy book. And so she went and got the Tanakh and the Quran for me. And that was my seven-year-old version of me that was highly driven by logic and i'm still driven by logic to a certain degree but see how important reading is yes yes and but at age seven the logic within me i needed to see all sides of it and it's actually interesting because i remember her being uncomfortable of getting the two books we had the holy bible she wanted me to be christian and you know here i'm saying i want to see the objective sides of it and it was reading the quran that i found christ so not a lot of people know this, but in the Quran, they refer to Isa. Isa is, is Jesus. They refer to Miriam, which is Mary. 
they acknowledge so many things about Jesus, all his extraordinary works being life from the Holy Spirit, no earthly father. You know, all of the, the detailed things about him are all there. They just can't embrace that he's the son of God. One missing key detail, the most important piece, but from a logic aspect, they had all the factual data that was there. And the seven-year-old logic me said, I believe in Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Savior. Going for it. So <laughs> I remember having to go through that and just the the dark things that are, are written in there. And if somebody were to say, we're going to take that all away and only have the good stuff, that wouldn't be of God. He wants us to learn the good, the bad, the ugly. Well, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I keep saying, I use Haiti as an example. It's like, how much more misery can these people take? And if you read, I've read the Bible. I haven't read the other two, you know, just here and there a little bit, but it's a, a lot. But I know they're ready to say, but I don't need to continue to be an example. Move on. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of like that. But it's one thing after another, you know, it's where it's floods or whatever the yeah. case may be. Destruction. Yeah. yeah. Man, and it all comes to our original sin. Yeah. It, it, it brings us there. But the beauty of God sending his son, Jesus, to live, die on the cross for us, resurrect, you know, that giving us that path for eternal life. That's the beautiful part is that that salvation aspect, the ability to accept that God loves us that much. I mean, I could tell you right now, I know I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the things that Jesus had to do to go on the cross. And for me, that's why he did it for you. Yeah, that is why he did it for all of us. You know, you, me, everybody from the beginning but to to sit there and look like that's how much God loves us. Like that's really what it is. That's the message there. Like because if you think from a parent perspective, who would send their child to do that? Nobody. That's 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 a God of love. Well, you think there were a number of people who were willing to sacrifice. Remember the the child being brought as a sacrificial lamb and then just before he's killed he said, "Wait, let's bring on the lamb, save the child." But that showed the faith that was there, the guidance that was there. And because of that, man was thanked. Yeah. Man was able to save his son. But yeah, it's tough. It's It can be tough, but it also can be heartwarming and fulfilling. Absolutely. When we think we're at our darkest, the sun will shine brightest. Yes. Yeah. If you're willing to We've got to go through the hard times to appreciate the good times. Yeah. I mean, the darkest, cloudiest days, the sun's still there. Mm -hmm. We might not be able to see it, but yeah. it's still there. It's yeah. still keeping us warm, still keeping us alive. Very true. What else, Maggie? What What other areas do you think exploring destiny in Psalm 23 or just the, the prophecy of God? And Well, if I were going to say anything, it would be to tell people to open their ears, their hearts, and their minds if they're not happy, if they're not feeling fulfilled of their destiny, there may be things that they still have to learn, but be willing to work for it and to move ahead. Like I came down here today and I saw some equipment that you had and I go, I got that equipment at home. And I had told people that I, a lot of people, that I was going to get my show on the air before the end of Lent. That was, I'm not giving up anything. I'm adding to. Because you don't always have to give up stuff for Lent. It's what you make up your mind. Like I read the Bible one year for Lent and 
you know, I'll, I'll lose weight or I'll do whatever the case may be. I usually use Lent as a as 40 days of accomplishment because that's what I'm told to do. Yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah. I, I turn that to a more positive page during that time. But many people are thinking about things that they can't do yeah. rather than things that they can do. I mean, even Jesus, when he went to the wilderness, into the desert, it wasn't about 40 days of the things that he was giving up. It was what he accomplished during those 40 days. And us following the path of Christ, what we can do to mimic and honor. So I agree with you. you Don't be afraid to learn. Yeah. That's part of our God's gift. Yeah, absolutely. To learn, to grow, to give, to care. Yes. Uh, The more we give, the more we get back. That is true. That I mean, I have seen that time and time again. It's and and sometimes it's when you're giving when you know you can't give, but you're doing it because it's the right thing. And God says, because I saw you make that sacrifice, I'm going to take care of you on this end. And and you're not chasing for that, right? You know, you're acknowledging that moment. This is the right thing to do. This person is suffering more than I am. They need it more than me. And you know, kind of like how you just said in the Bible, almost having to sacrifice a child and, and God intervening and saying, well, let's let's take a step back. Let's put a lamb in the place. Yeah. You know, that's God doing that exactly. still today. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just what's written in the past. It is very applicable to today's age. There's one book I want to recommend too. Okay. Which is, I, I told you about. It's by Bishop T.D. Jakes. Yes, we were talking about Bishop. this. He has, but it's called Destiny. And it's not his newest book, but it's my favorite book of his. Okay. And the reason why I love it is he explains so much. I recommend highly getting it in the audio book because his beautiful baritone voice is out there sending you along. And he gives examples of his failure and thinking he was in charge and finding out that it's not. But even more so than that, when I listen to it the first time and every time I listen to it, the part that hits me the most is... On this day, at this time, I'm the youngest I will ever be, but I'm also the oldest I will ever be. Mm. And if you think you got put it on hold for another day or two or three or four, guess what? Your time isn't running out, but you're also wasting time. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. No, I mean. Get on with it. The idea of this podcast, for example. This isn't something that came up as an idea overnight. This was something that I felt God nudging throughout years. Actually, I'll take a step back, and as the audience is getting to know me, I never looked at myself as an evangelist. That's one thing I used to be scared of. You know, evangelists, oh, they could knock on doors. I had an aunt who literally went to school for it. She had her own mission company. She would go across the world to Egypt, doing all these phenomenal things, but I had this fear of evangelization. And I used to say, I acknowledge God has given me many God-given gifts. Evangelization is not one of them. Well, how you just said, like, fall flat in your face. I was pretty much like Paul falling off my high horse because I see now, years later, I have a very creative alternative style to evangelization, but it's still fulfilling what God needs us to do for our part, you know, to get the word out there. And it's a, a beautiful thing. And taking that time to to get it done. And so that's why in front of this audience, I'll say when you're ready to get your equipment set up, I will be there to help you get it set up. 
I will show you how to record. I will show you how to get it published. It's, it is a lot of work to get it set up. That's but okay. once, you got to remember, I'm way ahead in some ways. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously. You know, you yeah. got the yeah. actual content yes. ready to go. Exactly. But as far as the infrastructure, the way things have gone now, I mean, just to get a podcast published, you could pay, you know, sourcing companies hundreds of dollars a month to do it for you. But you can actually take a little bit of your time do the publishing yourself. Spotify has a, a beautiful platform. It was called Anchor. Now it's, I think it's called Podcast for Spotify or Spotify Podcasting, something along those lines. And you just go, you set up your account, you upload your recording, and then you take the website URL and you go to all the other podcasting platforms and say, this is my podcast URL. And you take that little bit of time, you save yourself hundreds of dollars a month. Just an amazing thing. So... Yeah, I'll help you on that part when you're ready. Okay, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get it. Gotta get it done. Yeah, amen to that. It's less than a month, <laughs> but I've already got ideas, so I'm ready to go. I know you. And do. I lo- I I I love that you are moving ahead with everything. And I remember you saying I prayed on it, and I'm going, yeah, but you know, like you were telling me, but I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I'm going, that's him nudging you, honey. Yeah, you're doing finally <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing, and. People have responded. Yes. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, it it's kind of like putting a stamp on doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yes. And when people come in, embrace it, like I knew with my talk show, I wasn't just supposed to be talking about being black. Because, you know, every time I teasingly say when Black Friday came, I said, I'm, I'm black every Friday. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's like, hey, it's Black Friday. Yeah, it is. Again. You know, every Friday. Oh, Monday through Friday. Oh, Saturday through Friday. (laughs) I'm still going to be black. But there are other things I want to help people learn. Finances, education, health. All those things that should be taught in high school that aren't. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people still don't know how to add up a bank account. Yes. It's unfortunate. I mean, but. Or how to save. Yeah, that's true. Start with $25 a month. <laughs> yeah. 50 bucks a month. It's, uh, but you know, those are the simple things that people think are so hard. You're going to do phenomenal. Oh, well. We know it. <laughs> I know you know it, but I, I'm validating. I'm putting that stamp. <laughs> I've already asked for it. I've asked for success. You know, I have a little, little stone at my house. It sits on top of my Bible every morning when I get up and it says success on it. And I got it in Maine when I was up there one time visiting a friend in Camden. And every morning I get up and I rub it. I rub it both ways. I kind of turn it around and rub it. Because success to me is being the best that I can be. Amen to that. Not just with myself, but also with others. And if I'm successful in my life, then I have lived a good life. But I'm not done yet. Yeah, that's true. I'll add to that. So a mentor of mine from many years ago, he used to say these words, success is not what you do for yourself. It's what you give to others. And I remember the first time he told me those words, this was around 2007. And prior to that, I would have never considered him a, a mentor. He was very unorthodox, just an odd guy. But when he said those words, it reminded me of similar words my grandmother always used to say growing up. And it was always that aspect that, you know, in that black community looking out for each other. 
you know, and she would sit there and say, if you receive this as a gift from God, make sure you share it with others. Or if you accomplish something in the world, make sure you share it with others. Don't be stingy. Don't hold it in. Make sure you share with others because we'll never be able to advance in a community if we don't look out for each other. And those words still resonate to this day. And he's still a phenomenal mentor. That's how people used to really lift each other up. It was a community. When they say that it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. Well, those villages were always there. Now they're very divided. Not as much as people think because there's a lot of good that's still in this world. And to me, the good outweighs the bad, but they just don't get as good a publicity. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) that is true. I mean... You being in media, you know how it is. Yeah. The, the dark stuff sells. The dark stuff sells. You know, there are certain people in this country that I consider bad that I don't ever want to hear their name. Just give it a day or two. Let's not even say their names. How happy would I be? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that I, you know, I just feel like we give the bad way too much information. That's the reason why there are certain shows I like. I don't watch a lot of shows with violence. Same here. But shows that make me laugh, that lift up my spirits, that help me learn, I'm there. My husband watches the show all the time, How's It Made? Haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's on um, a Smithsonian or a National Geographic. The things I've learned how to make, I never even thought I would learn. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, I'm talking about, you know, springs and rocking chairs, how to put a rocking chair together, uh, all kinds of stuff. It's just amazing the things that you can learn how different kinds of snacks and stuff are put together because we eat. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and seeing how our food is prepared is really interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, especially here in American culture, preservatives, for example, the amount of preservatives that are put in our foods and it is damaging to our bodies. I was talking to a woman yesterday and she was talking about how her granddaughter is really suffering right now with a lot of allergies and things like that. And they, she said, you know, the doctors want to put her on, on things, and, you know, she's just too young for that, and she's just miserable. I said, have you checked her food allergies? No. We've never had her checked for allergies. Mm. Yeah. And I recommended a book to her and things along those lines. And two other ladies at the table were going, okay, let's write those down. I said, because root of it is probably allergies. Yeah. Yeah. Either with something we breathe in or something that we consume. Yeah. Can play a because factor. Dies. Corn's one of the biggest things that people are allergic to that they don't even realize. I didn't even know anyone could be allergic to that. Oh, That's yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Corn is one of those trigger foods. Very much so. Interesting. You know, it's like I can't drink milk anymore. I can do almond milk, things like that, but I'm lactose intolerant. And I used to drink <laughs> I, my dad had a big it was probably uh I'd say a quart glass. I still have the glass. <laughs> and in the summertime, he'd pour a little bit of coffee and fill it up with milk and add sugar to it. Yeah, sugar's one of those triggers, too. And and I'd go outside and get some fresh mint, because we had mint growing along the side of our house, and put that in. That was the best glass of milk I ever had. Wow. Like, it was so good. And then what? it's like I went to bed one night, I was okay. I woke up the next morning, and I couldn't drink milk. But you got to be aware. I'm also allergic to aspirin. Little little things like that. People should know their bodies. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, our, our bodies speak to us. We got to be going back, be able to listen. You know, I feel terrible after I eat that. Well, don't eat that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel terrible after drink. 
don't drink that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll give you a good example of my journey. I'm now diagnosed type 2 diabetic. And I went through so many things thinking I needed to remove this, remove that. I stopped eating pork for like two, three years. And then I remember last year for Lent, I actually went and tried to do the entire Lent vegetarian or at least pescatarian, so some type of fish. And I remember at the end, not only was I gaining weight, but I just didn't feel good about myself. And then September of 2022, I got the wake up call from my doctor that my A1C is (gasps) 13.7. Yeah. Yeah. 13.7. So prior to that, I was always like six, 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 seven. So this was like the coming to Jesus talk. (laughs) You need a lifestyle change if you want to be here the next 10 years. Yeah. And so listening to my body, you know, I doubled down with my faith because I've always been strong in my faith, but just saying, God, guide me correctly. Send me the right information. Send me the right information. So consulted with a few folks, hired a nutritionist, things of that nature. And interesting enough, I was not eating enough protein and I was eating too many carbs. So I had to increase the protein, reduce the carbs. I got to a point that this nutritionist was having me eat almost 4,000 calories a day. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. You would think like, hello, that's your health's going to go. No, opposite. Just two, three weeks ago, my A1C was down to 6.6. Phenomenal, right? Like act of God, miracle in the making. Yeah. My doctors across the board asking me, how did I reduce my A1C in that short time? Because we're talking about from September to now March, but mm-hmm. the A1C poll was, in, it was still in February. February. And it was, listen to God. God says, when you have something in life, take it to him. Lift it up to him. Don't stress about it. Don't worry about it. Bring it to him. He will deliver. So it started with that. And that's the biggest key there. And then from there, it was taking a look at my body and listening to my body. Right. Because it'll tell you. I don't have arthritis. I'm borderline high blood pressure, but that runs in my family, both my mom and dad. Mm. Okay? I don't have cancer. I never smoked. I drink so little. It takes Bob and I, my husband Bob and I, about three or four days to fill us just finish just a regular bottle of wine. <laughs> it's like, oh, honey, you want some wine? Oh, yeah. Uh, that I'm talking about three weeks, four weeks since we last had a drink. We just, you know, it's just not something that's high on our, but when we want one, we'll drink it. And I mean, God gives us that ability to exactly. do those things, yeah. but the key is moderation. Exactly. Never too much or exactly. something. Exactly. And thank God I got that guidance yeah. early on. That's something to be thankful for. For me, <laughs> I say I go back to the age of seven when I accepted Christ. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that was the day wisdom started for me. Oh, yeah. um, and I'm very blessed to say at that young of an age because I meet so many people. They're like, yeah, I didn't find God until I was in my 20s, some, some even 30s and 40s. And I'm like, I don't know any other way because I remember very limited things prior to the age of seven. You know, everything is from the age of seven on. Yeah. So I pretty much can safely say I've lived my entire life with God. Yeah. I mean, all of us are, always. whether we acknowledge him or not. Yeah. Always, but. always in our house, the picture of the Last Supper hung above our china closet. It was just, there was always Christ in our lives. In fact, you could look up my mom and dad's front window and see our church. <laughs> so, oh, wow. And it was like a block over, but because all the houses were more ranch style houses or bungalows, you could see our church. So, And at the top of the corner was the oldest church west of the Missouri River. Really? So I grew up two churches within a block Wow. each other. And it was, I wasn't raised Catholic, but I became Catholic. I married into Catholicism. And I've just always felt comfortable with God. As it should be. And yeah, but you know, like you said, there are a lot of people that are still searching. Yeah. 
But even the ones where they have that family, like you said, the household with the Last Supper on display and parents are trying to teach them and and somehow they still sway away. And, you know, that parable of the prodigal son still exists. The prodigal son, the prodigal daughter. Yeah. And it's beautiful when that time does come that they come home. Yeah. You know, we rejoice. It's good. It's like a warm blanket, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We'll break a bottle of wine for them and. Oh, we got to have wine? Yeah. Have, oh. <laughs> well, if wine. somebody, a prodigal son or prodigal daughter stops by, sure, yeah, we will. But no, it's just, it's a beautiful thing there. Well, I think we have everything there for today's episode. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to say for the audience of if they had interest to get in contact with you, learn more about you? Website will be up in less than a month. Okay. But I'm you have the domain at least? Yeah. What's it oh, going to be? It's going to be called... Maggie Lenton Media, but my show is going to be called The Shared Path. Okay, The Shared Path. I like yeah. that. Because we all are walking a path. Yes. Who do we share it with? But I'm going to end with the way I used to end my show all the time. Okay? Last words. Seek peace and spread lots of love. I love those words. Thank you. And before we break away, I just want to say to the audience of Psalm 23 Podcast, thank you for tuning in today. We are grateful for your support and feedback. Also, Mark your calendars. Our podcast releases new episodes on the 23rd of every month. Hit that subscribe button now and stay in the know. You can find me on Facebook as Roots and Maldonado, on Instagram at Psalm 23 Podcast, and on our website at www.rootsind.com. Reviews help us grow. If our show has made a positive impact on you, please consider leaving a rating and review on your favorite platform to listen to podcasts. If you can think of any family or friends who may benefit from our show, we would love it if you could share this podcast with them. Another way to stay in touch is by joining our Facebook discussion group named Psalm 23 Podcast Discussion to connect with like-minded people and continue the conversation. Your contribution plays a vital role in our ability to reach more individuals and create positive change. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again soon. May God continue to bless you in all ways your brother in Christ, Rutan Maldonado.